Welcome to the Trademark Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to hear our message today. Another thing we would love is for you to join us in person, whether that's live, online, or if you're local to DFW, come visit our location in Fort Worth, Texas. For service times, location, and everything you need to know, visit trademark.church. We hope today's message encourages you and helps you live a more fulfilling life in Jesus. That God has me under the covering of his wing and that we can take refuge in him. Today, as we look at Exodus chapter 34, we're going to discover something about God. I pray this morning and the title of, of the message today is simply this. Let me tell you about myself. Let me tell you about myself. Exodus chapter 34 verses 5 through 8 says, Then the Lord came down in a cloud, and he stood there with him, him being Moses. And he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation. Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshiped. God, this morning, what we pray as we look at your word is that you would speak, that you would speak over these next few moments, that we would hear your voice, that your word would go forth and it would resonate in the hearts and the minds of men and women in this place today. And that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we would be changed and transformed. And that today specifically, we would have a better understanding of who you are as God. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. In his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, A.W. Tozer says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. Let me read that again for you. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. You see, the reality for us as it pertains to relationship with God is this. If we want to experience God, we have to know about God. And the more we know about God, the more we desire to experience God. I would encourage you to write that down or take a picture of it up on the screen, set it somewhere as a reminder to yourself that if we want to experience God, 
Not just in this place where we have a worship team and someone delivering the word of God and community happening, but in the daily basis of our lives and the, the ongoing journey of following Jesus, if we want to experience God, we have to know about God. And I believe the inevitable result is that the more we know about God, the more we will desire to experience God. And that's why it's so important to have correct theology. Write that word down as well, theology. This week and next week, you're going to get a crash course in uh, terminology that I believe is important uh, for us as Christ followers, as God's people to know and to wrestle with and to study and to grapple with on, on this journey. Um, theology is really comprised of two words, theos, which means God and logos, which means word. So you have theos, which means God, logos, which means word. And so simply put, and I want you to write this down as the definition of theology, simply put, if we want to put this into layman's terms of what theology is, theology is a word about God. It's a word about God. Now, what's so awesome about this is that we are not left to figure out theology on our own. You, you do not have to um, go sign up for seminary. You don't have to go to Mardell's and look in the commentary section and say, okay, how many volumes of Scripture commentary, do I need to understand theology? Now, all of those things would be great if you enrolled in seminary or Bible school or you, you got some commentaries and you wanted to study the word of God. All of that is great. But you know what is so amazing about theology is that we do not have to go out and immensely search to get a word about God because God has already given us a word about himself. God has given us a word about himself. God has spoken about himself and he has defined for us who he is. And so that should bring you great peace that in reality, if you will look to the word of God, if you will look to scripture, if you will look and study and, and, and really meditate on the scripture that we just read, what you will see and what you will discover plainly is that God has already given a word about himself. We don't have to go wrestle and find and search for a word about God. We don't need a revelation from God about who he is. He has already stated clearly who he is. And so today my hope for you as you leave this place is that you would understand what it is that God has said about himself. And so we'll unpack a little bit of this today and then we will next Sunday unpack a little bit more. Because if our theology, our word about God is off, our life will be off. If we have the wrong mental image of who God is, and listen, there's some layers that we have to pull back in our lives. There's been things that maybe we've told 
There's been doctrine that we've maybe adopted. There's been um, experiences within our lives having to do with our parents and relationships or church experience that may need to be pulled back a little bit. But even if we've experienced pain or hurt or, or disappointment in this journey of following God, it does not negate who he is. And so we go back with all the junk and funk and mess that we may be sorting through. And we say, what does God say about himself? Let's go back to the source. Let's go back to the first time in scripture where God says, this is who I am. And that is Exodus 34. It's one of the first times in scripture we see God speak about himself. It's one of the few times that God actually describes his character. And listen, there's, there's some things that you can study and there's some things to know about God. Like we just talked about moments ago, God's omnipresence. The fact that God is immutable, that he never changes. There are some things about God. But what we discover in Exodus 34 is not something that God just is. It, it is something about his character. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today because this is such a crucial moment in, in the history of humanity. Exodus 34. Because God is explaining what sets himself apart from other gods. He's giving a word about who he is. He is teaching us theology about himself. You see, throughout human history, especially in antiquity, in, in, in the way back days, in biblical times, thousands of years ago, the major belief was in a multitude of, of deities. Now, some of this may be, be hard for us to um, process a little bit, so I want to give you a reference, uh, because in this Sunday and next Sunday, I'm not going to have the ability and the time that, that we have to fully dissect this for us. So what I would encourage you to do is to go to that resource page. You can click the QR code right in front of you. You can go to our website. There's an entire resource page, and there's some books on that page. And they are, listen, we take all, like, we make it easy here at Trademark Church. You just got to click it. It'll take you straight to Amazon. Swipe, poof, it'll be there tomorrow. There's three books that I would really encourage you to read. Uh, the first would be this, God Has a Name. It's a book called God Has a Name. And, and a lot of the content that we'll be talking about uh, over the next two weeks is actually found in that that book, but it is a, it's an easy read. The author of that book really makes it simple to understand some of these deep concepts about God and history and, and, and these things that maybe we just try to like brush aside, like, 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 are there really spirits and are there really demons and are there really other gods? Aren't those just like kind of made up fairy tale type stuff? And sometimes we read through scripture and we kind of just like, uh, let me just read past that and get to the like, love your neighbor part. Right? We don't like to wrestle in the supernatural. But what does the Apostle Paul tell us? He says that we don't war against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the principalities and this darkness. And so there is something and there should be some credence to us as Christians that gives some thought to what goes on in the unseen spiritual world around us. Because for the people of the Bible and the people that God is talking to, the, the multitudes believed in a, a, a pantheon of gods and goddesses. Everything was a connected to some type of spiritual force. The sun, the moon, the grass, the harvest, 
the animals, blessing, cursing, it all came from somewhere. And the overwhelming thought of people, and actually if you study our world today, that is still a major thought process for the majority of people in the world. Go to India, millions of gods. You go into places and have you ever had an experience where you, 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 you go somewhere, you've entered into an environment or you walk past something and like, you get this sense that something is off. Something's dark. My, my wife just the other day was at a park and she had our two boys and she FaceTimed me, which was kind of just unusual as she's just hanging out with the boys. And she said, hey, I just needed to FaceTime you. This, this person came to the park and they're just acting off. And I'm the only one here with, with, with the boys. And, and, and there's just like a, something's just off. Right, we, we, don't, we may not have the vocabulary to put that into terms, and I don't want to assign a demon or a spiritual force to, to every single thing that we experience, but there is some credence, there has to be, that there are things that go on in the unseen world that we are unaware of. And so if you want to do a deep dive into this, read the book, God Has a Name. It may shake you up a little bit. There's another book um, that I mentioned earlier, uh, Knowledge of the Holy. This will tell you a lot more about who God is and then the pursuit of God. Those are all books that are on that site. And I would encourage you to be a learner, to press into these things. But in, in antiquity and throughout human history, the major belief was in a multitude of deities, which assembled in this pantheon of God and goddesses. This is called polytheism. Again, we're gonna get some technical terms thrown out there. So definition is gonna come up on the screen. Polytheism is a belief in many gods or goddesses of equal or parallel power. And often people would believe in a specific God or follow a specific God um, due to the, 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 the regional influence in which they lived, where they were brought up, the culture and the society that they were brought up in. And I know things are shifting majorly in our, our, our country today, but for the most part, in our country, the predominant focus has been on God of the Bible. And so naturally, whether you've been brought up in even a home with, with, with atheist parents or whatever, there's still this permeating like thought that God is the God of the Bible when God comes to our mind. Now, we have what's called a, a universalistic uh, outlook to where all paths lead to one God somewhere off in the, 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 the cosmos out there. But as Christians, we believe that there is only one way to God and it's through Jesus. And in fact, we don't have to go get to God. God actually came to us. The only world religion in which God came down the mountain to humanity, that we don't have to climb it, we don't have to work. He said, no, I will come to you. But to stay in line with what we're teaching today, the major thought process of the people in the Bible and in antiquity was that there was this plethora of gods. And to these people, these gods were very real. These gods had names and characteristics. And these gods, if you study human history, these gods were cruel and vengeful and oftentimes at war with each other for power and position in this cosmos of experience. 
And humans were used as pawns and as tools and as pieces to be manipulated and to be laughed at and to be ridiculed. And this, again, you got to put yourself in the mindset of the reader. And the majority of people lived in fear of them and would do anything to appease them. Even in some extreme cases, sacrifice their own children to try to gain favor with the gods. Anybody ever see the movie Troy, Brad Pitt? Like he's like shredded in Fight Club, but he's just like swole in Troy. And there's this moment in Troy, and this has nothing to do with the message, but like I love it because it just says a man, it gets me like, ah! Troy's having this battle and the, the king's son comes out to fight him. And the king's son wants to make a truce and he calls this, he says, let's, let's make a pact. Let's make a pact together. Brad Pitt's character, he says this, he says, there are no pacts between men and lions. If that doesn't send like chills down, you're like, about to fight somebody. The legend of Troy is that as the people were coming into this battle, the, 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 the goddess of the ocean or the goddess of the winds, and don't quote me exactly on this, but the, the goddess that controlled the, 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 the winds was a very unkind and capricious goddess. And there was no wind for them to sail to this, this battle. And this is the crazy thing. This, whether this is true or not, the story of Troy is that it, this is the same time frame in which God is speaking to Moses on top of Mount Sinai. The same point in history. And because the wind isn't blowing, do you know what the ruler does? He takes his daughter and he slits her throat so her blood would appease the God. And the story and the legend is that the wind began to blow. Now, whether that is true or not, I don't know, but if there's some credence to that, there has to be something else in this atmosphere. And there's many scriptures that point to the darkness of other deities, but yet God is in control. But I just tell all of, all of this to you so that you can have the mindset of what is being said historically here, what is happening here. People were terrified of the gods. And on top of that, God's people, the Israelites, had just spent 400 years in slavery in a nation that worshiped foreign gods. So all they saw, because they were not allowed to worship, they were not allowed to assemble, they worked seven days a week making bricks to build pyramids, slave labor. And what they would see is they would be building a temple to some God or some sacrifice was being made or people were chanting or all of these things from the Egypt. 400 years they had been mindful and aware of all of these other gods that were worshipped and they did not have a place to worship their God. In fact, they didn't even know who their God was anymore. It's why Moses says, as we studied a little bit last week, when he says, well, who do I go tell him sent me? And God says, I am. Which is where we get the name Yahweh. And so when you look back upon history and 
when we see violence and vengeance and oppression, people who live in fear, people who live defeated, people who live without hope, there's nothing that we should expect but that. Because people were simply living like the gods that they worshiped. Because how you view God, 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 how you view God is the most important thing about us because our view of God is what we ultimately become. So if your view of God is violent and vengeful, there's a good chance that you will lean that direction. If you believe that God is just a God that is passive and accepting of all behavior and all things, then you will lean that way. And what actually ends up happening is we don't try to become like God, we just try to make God become like us. This is why theology is important and we do not have to go chase after a word about God. God has given us a word about himself. And so when God speaks to Moses, what he is saying is this in Exodus chapter 34. He is saying, Moses, Moses, let me tell you about myself. I am not like the other gods. I am different. And because I am different, those who worship me will be different. Because I am different, the people that I call to follow me, to worship me, the people that I will give blessing and provision to, the people that obey me, they will be different to all of the world because I am different. And it's why scripture says, be holy because I am holy. You see, when you study scripture and you look at all of these laws and sometimes we approach Christianity as like, oh my gosh, all of these rules that I have to follow. Listen, the rules actually have nothing to do with you and everything to do with God because all they are is a reflection of his character and all he wants is for you in this world to go be an image bearer of the one who created you. So as you read scripture, as you look through some of the things that may be difficult to wrestle with, just know that God is saying, listen, I have to lay this out to you the best that I can because I am so different than anything in all creation, in all the universe, in all of existence. I have to show you what I'm like. Because if you're gonna be my people, you gotta know I'm different. There's something different about me. And because there's something different about me, there needs to be something different about you. Because we become like what we worship. So today, we don't have a very long, long message. I'm gonna actually call the band back up. I don't have anything today to give to you that would say, okay, brother, okay, sister, like go out there now and, and do this. Go out there and, and, and do this. There's no real application for you today. I, I, I like to give application. I like to give you steps every Sunday that you can go out and apply to, to your life. But I, I don't really have that today. Um, today my prayer is that you have heard a word about God. God 
comes and he speaks to Moses. And some, some translations say he says, Lord, Lord. Uh, it's not a very good uh, translation. The translation I read today says, Yahweh, the Lord. Still not the best of translations. Because in the original language, what God says as he comes to Moses is he says, Yahweh, Yahweh. He says, Yahweh. He says, I have a name. I'm not a distant, far off deity. I have a name. I am a personal God. I am a relational God. I am a God of people. And I want you to know that I am different. And so when you study Hebrew writing, when someone is making a statement, the first thing that they say is the more, most important thing. All of what they say is important, but the first thing that they say about themselves is the most important thing. There's a reason he said his name and he said it twice. He said, that means listen. It means pay attention. Yahweh, Yahweh, I have a name. And a name back then wasn't just a name to name your, your kid or your child. A name had meaning to it. A name spoke about the character of a person and no one had ever heard this name Yahweh before. And so God says, listen, I am unique in all of human experience in all of eternity. There is nothing that compares to me. And I want you to know theology. I want you to hear a word about me. And he says, he says, I am the God of compassion and mercy. I'm not the vengeful God. I'm not the God that's going to ask you for your children. I'm not the God that's going to demand. You just appease me to avoid my anger. No, I am a God of compassion and mercy. He says, I am the God that is slow to anger filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. The God who lavishes unfailing love to a thousand generations. The God who forgives iniquity, rebellion, and sin. The God who is just. You want to know who God is? That's God. That's the God that we come into this place and we worship. In the application, if you will, today, Is simply this. When you hear the word about God, the only response that is appropriate is to worship. The Bible says that God came and he was with Moses and he said, Yahweh, Yahweh, God of compassion and mercy, the God that is slow to anger, the God that is filled with unfailing love and faithfulness that will bless a thousand generations. And Moses doesn't say, wow, neat. Moses doesn't say, good to meet you. Moses falls on the ground and he worships. 
I'm gonna ask you to do something this morning. Just stand with me. We're gonna worship. We're gonna spend some time right here in worship. And then we're gonna take communion and then we'll leave. But here's what I wanna encourage you to do. If you want more of God, he's in this place. He's here and he's worthy of our praise. The only response of our heart can be to worship. So maybe during these next few moments of worship, maybe you need to be okay with being stirred a little bit. Maybe you need to be okay with saying, Holy Spirit, I don't know what you got for me, but I want it. If I can have as much of God as I'm willing to go get, what is stopping you from going to get it? Because right now, you know what we're doing in worship? We're entering the throne room of God. We are entering into his manifest presence. He is in this place. He is in this place and he wants to speak to you and he wants to touch you and he wants you to know that he is full of compassion and mercy. And so what I pray in this next few moments as we sing this song called Same God, talking about the God of Moses, the God of the old is still the God today. The God that was compassionate then is the God that's compassionate now. The God that was faithful then is the God that's faithful now. The God that loved then is the God that loves now. Listen, this needs to go further because the God that healed bodies then is the God that heals bodies now. The God that breaks chains and shackles and generational sin is the same God that does that now. The God that restored relationships then restores relationships now. But here's the thing, what holds us back from getting all of God is sometimes ourselves. Because I'm too nervous to raise my hands because I'm a man and that just feels girly and weird, but it says that the warriors of the Bible, before they went into battle, lifted up a praise. It says David danced in the presence of God. So if I'm going to be a fool, I'm going to be a fool for my God. And so what I feel happening in our church right now is a shift taking place. And man, I don't want, I don't want this shift and hear my heart. I don't want this shift to be manufactured. I don't want you to do something to manufacture praise. I want you to worship because your heart can't do anything but worship a God who has been compassionate to you, who has shown mercy to you, that has shown mercy to your family. And maybe you're in the, the, the midst of something now and you're saying like, I, I just, I don't know. I've got questions. I've got doubts. I struggle with this. What am I supposed to experience on a Sunday morning? Maybe just take just a step and say, God, I don't know if this even does anything, but I'm going to give it a shot. I don't know if having a little bit of movement, I don't know if just saying to you, God, I'm struggling with this or I'm going through this. Listen, God wants to wrap you as my son wanted my arm around him as the wing of a dragon. God wants to wrap his wings around you this morning. And he said, child, it's all good. I love you and I'm compassionate. And all I want to do is hold you and 
bless you and show you who I am. And if you will just draw near to me, I don't need to draw near to you. I'm already near you. I'm already here. I'm already in this place. So maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, we could worship Yahweh in this place today. The great I am. The God of then that is the God now and the God that will forever be. So I just encourage you to worship how the Spirit leads. And then we'll wrap up with communion and we'll leave today filled with the Spirit. Thanks for listening to the Trademark Church Podcast. If this message inspired you today, feel free to share with friends, leave a rating, and subscribe so you don't miss any of our weekly messages. This podcast and everything that we do at Trademark Church is only possible because of the generosity of those that call Trademark Church home. If you would like to give to the work that God is doing through Trademark, please visit trademark.church. Thanks again for checking out the podcast, and we'll see you soon.